On Christmas Eve in the year 2000, 87-year-old Boyd Burnett died without ceremony in a small hospital in northern Texas. His death, while on the heels of several others on the unit, didn't raise concerns. Though Boyd hadn't come in with anything life-threatening, the experienced staff at Nakona General knew that their elderly patients more often passed away in the cold of the winter months. But Boyd would have told a much darker story. He might have told you that he was feeling just fine as the day shift nurses packed up and turned responsibilities over to the night shift. He might have said that hours later, as the lights were dimmed and the halls were quiet, one of these nurses entered his room alone. He would have said that she injected something into his IV, and seconds later, he felt tightness grip his chest. He would have told you that he watched her smile as he suffocated, unable to move, but completely aware as his world went slowly black. I'm Laura. I'm here with my two best friends, Colby and Marina, and this is Grim. Um, I didn't like that. Me and Colby no. are making faces. Mm-hmm. Today is going to be very grim. Like it, it will. Grim. It will. It is. And I guess the first thing we should address is my delightful voice. My apologies, gremlins, but I am just getting over COVID. I am finally hit after two and a half years of making it without it. Um, feeling better today, but my voice is not. So hopefully we'll uh, get through that. But we are safely you distanced and masked and hand sanitized and, and all that. So we are good. We're good. Or... Two-thirds of uh, Grimm will have COVID <laughs> in about a week and a yeah. half, but we'll see. It's fine. No, it's fine. No, we're safe. <laughs> uh, okay, so next order of business is our Patreon shout-outs, and Yay. we have a whole Boop bunch, boop. so bear with me as I get through these. So the first one is going to be really fun to say. It is the Church of Z. <laughs> yeah, oh, the Church we love of you, Z. Church we of love Z. Z. <laughs> Erica S. Yeah, Erica. Yeah, Erica, we love you. Isabella M. Yeah, Woo. Isabella, we Woo. love you. Love you, Isabella. Lindsay W. Lindsay W. Yay, we Lindsay. love you. Woohoo. Shelby S. Woo-hoo. Yeah, Shelby. Yeah, Woo-hoo. Shell. John E. Yeah, John. Yeah, John we love, we you. love you. Thank too. you. Jaya J. Yeah, yeah Jaya. Jaya. Thank Woo. you. And thanks for the pronunciation yes. key. That was helpful. Much appreciated. <laughs> and we love you as well. And we love you. <laughs> Carissa R. Yeah, hey, Carissa. Carissa. We Woo-hoo. love you. Hey, girl. Thank you. We love you. Joel S. Yeah, oh, Joel. So many. Hey, Joel. We, we love you, Joel. Too. Ooh, Kate M. Oh my God, we're not yeah, done. <laughs> so many Patreons. We love you. Okay, and last but not least, Ashley C. Yeah, Ashley. Yay, Ashley. We, we love you. Thank you so much. Okay. Guys, we love you. Woo. No, for real, though. We for do. our Patreons, we love you so much. I'm and we've been, we've been giving you some bony bonies. Yep. Little, little extra extras. Little pea bonies, as I like to call them. <laughs> Laura, Laura keeps trying to make fetch happen here. We're, we're trying to give her this one. Listen, you you now call it a pea bony. We do. I know. You do. Pea bony says it's taken off now. Yeah, I like it. All right. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed those episodes. Let us know if there are things you want to hear um, that are exclusive to Patreons. We'll get those out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're if you're our top tier, you could tell us on the Discord server and we'll, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, we'll hook you up. We're Join having us. a lot of fun out there. All right. You ready to get into it? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So today we're going to talk about Vicki Don Jackson. Um, and I when I was looking her up, 
There is a Victoria Jackson, who is a perfectly loved actress who and comedian who was on SNL from 1986 to 1992. So just want to clear her name. That not is that not one. who okay. we're talking about. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. You know, it would have, it would have made things quite interesting. But mm. you no. said her name was middle name was Dawn. Yes, and I saw in a few places that she goes by Vicky Dawn, like as in like uses it for her whole first name and sometimes just Vicky. I'm going to say Vicky throughout because it's a lot easier okay but on your lungs at the moment yeah <laughs> i know i we began we began this recording and i was like oh i think i'm fine with breathing and then in the intro uh we had to edit out a, a whole bunch of my pauses because i did indeed run out of breath so <laughs> bear with me all right so typically i like to start with the childhood of the subject of a case because i think it is helpful to paint a picture of the person behind the behavior but very little is known about vicky's childhood the most information I could find was a long-form article in Texas Monthly written by Skip Hollinsworth, which just a moment to appreciate his name. Excellent name. Love the name. Wonderful. Um, he directly interviewed Vicky, and I want to make sure I do give proper credit to him because many of the details I'm able to present through this case are from his work. Vicky was born on February 13th, 1966. Her family moved from Indiana to North Texas in the early 80s when she was 15 years old. And they had moved there so that Vicky's younger brother, who suffered from asthma, could live in a drier climate. They bought a dilapidated house on the east side of town, although it's hard to say there are really sides, seeing as Nakona is less than three square miles. What, so small. Was, yeah, wasn't there another case that um, something was three square miles? Funny I said exactly the same thing because okay. I was saying, oh, it's home to just 3,000 people. It's a dozen miles south of the uh, Oklahoma border. And that's apparently the going rate of murder towns because that's almost exactly the same stats as oh, Delphi. The Delphi, yep. yeah. Yes. Yep. The three square miles. Yep. And 3,000 people. Again, apparently the going rate. So. Guys, listen, learn, and stay alive. If you are in a three-square-mile town with 3,000 people, move. Go to the big cities. Yeah, you're much safer there. For yeah. your own safety, just move. I hear New York City is very safe this time of year. <laughs> Nakona does have a lake as well as an 18-hole golf course, airstrip, and a hospital. So they managed to fit a whole lot yeah. in those three-square-miles. Three, so the 3,000 people are all on top of each other uh-huh. to make room for the golf course. Oh, they're course. in a single, single condominium building. Like, it's just like a plot they're all there yeah, and then exactly. there's the airstrip and the exactly. hospital planned communities yep so vicky's father worked as a mechanic and her mother worked double shifts at the nakona nursing home as a cook vicky joined her mother at the nursing home when she was in high school working in the laundry room and then she became a nurse's aide a dream she'd had since she was a child she told skip again that was the interviewer that it was ever since she watched her great grandmother die that she wanted to help people and she was pr- particularly inspired by florence nightingale the famous nurse whose efforts during the crimean war laid the foundation for professional nursing especially for women in the late 1800s i would think that that was really sweet if i didn't know where this was going yes exactly <laughs> yes because yep. in my head i'm like wow at such a young age she knew she wanted to take take care of in air quotes mm-hmm. like i'm gonna take care of these people all right oh um, yeah mm. yeah and you'll start to see a pattern here Beyond work and school, Vicky didn't have many friends or hobbies, but she would sometimes spend her free time alone in the game room in town playing Mrs. Pac-Man. It was here when she was a junior at high school that she met construction worker Johnny McLaughlin. Johnny was five years older than Vicky, and she was smitten. So much so that just a few weeks later, she and Johnny were married in Whoa. front of the Justice of the Peace. That yep. escalated very quickly. Oh, very yes. quickly. Yep. But before Vicky even graduated high school, the fleeting romance fizzled and the two divorced. That's a shocker. Yep. <laughs> People were shocked. so surprised. 
<laughs> but also, can you imagine being divorced before graduating high school? No. Like that, wow, that girl has led a very different life. And this was not in the 50s. This was like the early 80s. So, wow. And you said you can't imagine being divorced before graduating high school. I can't imagine being married before yeah. graduating <laughs> high school True. either. So I mean, True. really, yeah. the two go hand in hand. <laughs> True. My <laughs> Shortly after, in 1984, Vicky began dating a man named Leroy Carson, a self-employed mechanic. She soon became pregnant, and the two married in May 1985, moving into another small, dilapidated house across from her parents. Shortly after she gave birth to her son, Curtis, she was again pregnant, having her daughter, Jennifer, in 1986. So now, with a husband and two children at just 19... Vicky continued her path in healthcare, returning to the nursing home part-time, working the night shift, and studying to become an LVN, or licensed vocational nurse. And I think it's more commonplace now to say licensed practical nurse, at least that's what I've heard more of, but they are distinct from a registered nurse, basically a junior version. An LVN requires two years of school, an RN is four, and they work under the direct supervision of a registered nurse. Yeah, I think I've heard LPN, I haven't heard LVN. Yep. Um, I imagine this must have been a difficult time for Vicky. She was working nights while trying to study with two young children to wrangle. Yeah, no thank you. (laughs) I was thinking about that. No No. thank you. Yep. And her parents, who originally were across the street from her, they had been helping with the kids, but they had to move back to Indiana to take care of her dying grandfather. Oh, no. So now her help was gone. On her own. Mm -hmm. But she persevered and obtained her license, becoming an LVN in 1989. I understand why she became a murderer. (laughs) I was going to say go Vicky, but then I was like, no, "No, we are not rooting for Vicky in this scenario. No, 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 you won't. Um, So Vicky worked in this capacity at the same nursing home in the same town with the same people. She drove her Buick sedan from the same house on the east side of town to the same Dairy Queen, where she ordered the same meal before every shift. A taco basket with two tacos, a salad, and a glass of iced tea. And nobody knew she was a murderer. That's like murderer (laughs) shit to order the exact same meal at the exact same place before every shift. (laughs) But she dreamed of more. She was often reading (laughs) romance. She dreamed of two tacos. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, She dreamed of a chicken finger basket. That's so funny. Oh, she was often reading romance magazines that told of a handsome, successful man sweeping the woman off her feet and saving her from the doldrums. And that wasn't Leroy? That, that literally my next sentence is that man was not Leroy, <laughs> her current husband and father of her children. The couple drifted apart and Leroy moved out in 1994. They divorced in 1996. But determined to find a better life for herself, Vicky continued studying to advance her career and continued her search for her Prince Charming. She began working out and dressing up to go out to nightclubs, maybe sensing she wouldn't find what she was looking for in Nakona, or maybe there weren't any such places. She went to nearby Gainesville, frequenting a dive bar called the Third Spur, which I liked. (laughs) (laughs) It was here that she met Kirk Jackson in May 1997. That is such a 90s name. Is it not? Kirk Kirk Jackson. Kirk Jackson. I don't know. I picture a dude with a big old head of curly blonde hair yes like kirk cameron yes yes yep, yep. Yes. that's exactly yep. where my mind is at yep okay so kirk jackson um i don't actually know what his hair was like but he was a match for vicky in age they were both 31 as well as height he was a mere 5 3 but she was an inch shorter the two married just a couple months later on independence day he too worked in the healthcare field and shortly after marrying Kirk and Vicky both started working night shifts at Nakona General Hospital. That's Kirk. sweet. Together. Yeah. Yep. Kirk as a nurse's aide and Vicky as an LVM. 
Nakona General is a very small hospital, which you can imagine because it's in this three square mile town. Mm-hmm. It's only It only has 38 beds that typically have maybe 15 patients at a time. And for comparison, because I wasn't really sure how small that was, Mass General in Boston has about a thousand beds. So I guess that's a bit smaller. Mm-hmm. A little bit. The one-story building served as a place for the basic medical needs of the town's residents. Any complicated cases were sent north to the larger, more advanced Wichita Falls Hospital in Oklahoma. While small and simple, Nakona General actually had a pretty good reputation nationwide. In 1999, it was listed by HCIA Sachs, which is a health data company, as among the top 100 best hospitals with fewer than 50 beds. Oh, wow. Pretty good. While Vicky was making the most of her career, her marriage was difficult. Like her previous husbands, Kirk would not live up to her romance novel expectations. He drank a lot. And despite having two kids in the house, he often had friends over to party. Mm -hmm. And perhaps worst of all, he was often flirty with other women, including the nurses at the hospital, sometimes within earshot of Vicky. So the third time is not the charm. No. So as a result, Vicky and Kirk fought all the time. It must have been a pretty unpleasant living situation, and Vicky's son, Curtis, elected to move back in with his father, Leroy, in 1999. His younger sister, Jennifer, followed suit just a few months later. To add salt to the wound for Vicky, Leroy decided that this meant he deserved child support, and he <sighs> took her to court, and the judge agreed. Ooh. So oh, man. Vicky was now on the hook to pay Leroy $300 a month. That's thanks. Yeah. So Vicky was having a hard time. She was still working nights while trying to study. She was fighting with her husband. Her kids moved out and she had a significant added expense to deal with every month in the form of that child support. Mm-hmm. So unsurprisingly, Vicky began seeing a therapist. She went to the public mental health center in Bowie, the town next door. She expressed to the therapist that she was deeply depressed and feeling rejected and unloved. I probably would too if my kids left me and my husband was flirting with other women mm-hmm. in front of my face. Yeah. She also told the therapist that she was unable to remember what she liked to do for fun. She was having mood swings. She would be crying one minute and then fly into a fit of rage the next. Jennifer, her daughter, told Skip, the author of the article I read, that when she would see her mother on the weekends, Vicky would be sitting on the little steps outside the front door, staring at nothing, or she'd stand at the kitchen stove, stirring things in a pot, her mind a million miles away. Jennifer recalled that one time Vicky was standing at the stove. She suddenly turned around and kicked their dog, which she had never done before. What? The, how old, sorry, how old was Jennifer about this time? Uh, in her teens. Oh, man, that's got to yeah. just be, I'm thinking of like stumbling upon a parent in that state. Like that's just got to be like really strange as a child to well, encounter. Yeah. And for them to move out, I would think, especially if they had been living there, I, I would think that it must have been pretty bad for them to choose to go live with their father. I expected Colby to be more outraged about the dog kicking. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, it was, I'm not happy about it. it (laughs) You were relatively subdued though. I'm proud of you. And their dog, just a funny aside, their dog was a little chihuahua named Killer. Oh, so it's okay. You can kick a chihuahua. It's it's not a dog. It's a rat. (laughs) Vicky's mental state continued to worsen and she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. According to the Mayo Clinic, bipolar disorder, formerly called manic depression, is a mental health condition that causes extreme mood swings that include emotional highs and lows. In the lows, the person may feel sad or hopeless and lose interest or pleasure in most activities. So remember, Vicky had told the therapist that she couldn't remember what she liked to do for fun. When the person's mood shifts to mania, they may feel euphoric, full of energy, or unusually irritable. These mood swings can affect sleep, energy, activity, judgment, behavior, and the ability to think clearly. 
episodes of mood swings may occur rarely or multiple times a year. And while most people will experience some emotional symptoms between episodes, some may not experience any. Now, if you ask Vicky to define what bipolar means, she might tell you what she told her daughter Jennifer when Jennifer asked, which was, it means I could kill you and get away with it. Oh, okay. Thanks, Thanks Mom. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I don't remember reading that on the Mayo mm-hmm. Clinic website. No, no, I don't think that's what that means. Um, and that at that time, Jennifer was just 14, and she said, um, she was telling Skip this, she said she didn't think Vicky was talking directly about killing her, but she felt that something was crumbling inside of Vicky, mm-hmm. which is heartbreaking. And the next time that she stayed over, Jennifer slept with a baseball bat next to her bed, just oh, in I, case. Yeah, I don't blame her. I'd yeah. be a little freaked out, too. That statement yeah. is giving me Catherine Knight vibes. Mm, yeah. She was like, I'm crazy and I'll get away with murdering yeah. you. Very yeah. similar. Yeah, so to sum it up, things were not good for Vicky. Hmm. She was frustrated that she was working so hard to study, but she wasn't being promoted. Her patients were difficult. Her home life was miserable. But she really kept the sour attitude to herself. To others, she was always kind, patient, and sweet. Patients and coworkers alike raved about her. Hmm. That is until December 2000, when a series of suspicious deaths swept through the floor. Oh, and they stopped saying nice things about her. Her dead (laughs) patients were not saying nice things about her. On December 11th, Donnie Jennings was in the midst of yelling at Vicky, who was trying to adjust her bed for the night. Vicky fluffed the pillow, dodging the frail swings of the 101-year-old, whose aggression came from a place of confusion. Donnie was in the hospital for dementia, but that didn't make it any easier for Vicky. At her wit's end, and likely with all the injustices of her life floating through her head, Vicky made a decision. She slipped out of Donnie's room to a nearby crash cart and grabbed a vial of Mivacron. Mivacron is the brand name of the drug Mivacurium chloride. Mivacurium chloride is a muscle relaxer intended to temporarily paralyze a patient while they're being intubated. It's a short-acting drug, but if not combined with intubation and manual breathing, the recipient would be unable to inflate their lungs to breathe due to the paralysis. Oh, God, and they suffocate. Uh-huh. That's... Completely aware and awake. Unfortunate. Uh-huh. Worst nightmare. Yes. So Vicky re-entered Donnie's room. Ignoring the elderly woman's yells, Vicky injected her IV with a deadly dose of Mivacron. She looked on while the drug coursed through Donnie's veins, rendering her unable to move but fully conscious. Over the course of several agonizing minutes, Donnie suffocated to death. Because it is not quick. You are suffocating. Terrible. That is honestly my worst nightmare. I used to take voice lessons and my voice coach would make me hold my breath. And I would secretly breathe while I was doing that because (laughs) I, my brain panics. And it's like, you cannot breathe. You're suffocating. Please breathe. And I'm like, okay, I'll breathe. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, Wow. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a really shitty be, way to yeah, go. It's like awful. Very maniacal of mm-hmm. Vicky too to like have that be. Her. There's so and many. There's watcher. so many drugs yes. in the hospital that you have access yep. to, and then you did one that would cause a slow and painful death, and you just watched. Exactly. Ugh. Vicky calmly walked out of the room and alerted the other nurses to the situation. They were unable to resuscitate her, despite how well Donnie was known in town. She was the matriarch of one of Nakona's founding families. Her death was written off as being due to old age. She was 101, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not a bad victim to choose to murder because exactly. you're 101. And so Vicky continued her shift, no one the wiser. Wow. The next week, Vicky once again had her hands full with 87-year-old farmhand LG Hudson. Worse than Donnie, LG knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He was in the hospital for a broken leg, but that didn't stop him from harassing Vicky. 
He would slap her butt when she walked by and always stared at her breasts anytime she was assisting him. He would refer to her as nurse tits. And I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I man. would be pissed too, but it does actually really make me laugh. You have sexually harassed the wrong nurse, my right? friend. Uh, this was yes. not the right lady yeah. to do that to. Yeah. So the, although I laughed, the difference is I would laugh and move on. Vicky sought revenge. On December 20th, she grabbed another vial of Mivacron and injected LG. Perhaps feeling energized by the thrill of her silent power and confident from the lack of suspicion, Vicky struck again only 20 minutes later. Oh, wow. oh my gosh. She walked down the hall to 62-year-old Sanford Mitchell. The retired supervisor of an electric company was defenseless. He likely had no idea what Vicky was doing until it was too late. Vicky brazenly walked back into LG's room where the other nurses were trying their best to save him to tell them, quote, they might want to check on Mr. Mitchell. He slumped over. <gasps> what? Okay, the escalation of her behavior mm-hmm. is really astounding. Mm-hmm. That's incredible for a serial killer. Mm-hmm. I, don't they normally have larger gaps yeah. than that? Yeah. You hear 24 hours and you're like, wow, wow, yeah. that was really quick. She's yep. like 20 minutes. The high's gone already. Yeah, exactly. Let's hit another. And this guy's not, he's not of an age. You would just write it well, off either. This guy's 62, I think you said. And what did he do to her? He, was he a patient of hers or she was just like, you know, I'm feeling like another murderer. Let's, let's go. Fuck so. this guy. Yeah, fuck yeah. this guy. <laughs> I couldn't find anything he did to her. Oh, man. Wow. But although we have noticed a pattern, both LG and Sanford were noted as unfortunate but unconcerning deaths. It was, after all, more common for elderly folks to pass away in the winter. Oh. 62 is not elderly. I, I, know. I would agree with you, yes. Oh, my gosh. Now, on Christmas Eve, Barbara Atterbury, who was just 50 years old, would meet the same fate. No. She had been admitted to Nakona General for back pain. Barbara wasn't a particularly difficult patient, but she had the bad fortune to be a relative of a woman who used to make fun of Vicky in high school. (sighs) That's so unfortunate. I'm sorry to laugh. That's really unfortunate. This was the same for 87-year-old Boyd Burnett. Like Donnie, he was in the hospital for disorientation. And later that same day, Vicky injected Mivacron into his IV. Okay, wait, I have a question. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking, I was just remembering how small this hospital is. What were the statistics of patients dying prior to December 2000? No one thought to look at that yet. Oh, okay. All right. But that is exactly the question you should be asking. Okay. Because it was a lot lower by half. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. I don't think so. And no, yeah. nobody's doing like an autopsy or anything no. on any of these patients. They're just like, while wow. they were in the hospital, they must yep. have been sick enough to die if they were here. Yep. Which is crazy because Barbara was only 50. As yeah. you said, Stanford was only 62. And even though the farmhand, um, LG was only... 80, or was 87, he only had a broken leg. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> he's fine. He had, he had a broken... What did he die of? Uh, yeah. Suffocation. Right. Uh, right, that makes sense. Right. Okay. I think... I wonder if they assumed, like, their heart stopped or something. failed or something. The stress. I don't know. Your leg bones connected to your <laughs> lung sacks. <laughs> <laughs> well, just five days later, on December 29th, Vicky, Vicky targeted 80-year-old James Gore and within the same shift, 79-year-old Gertie Matthews. So that makes seven deaths in just three weeks under Jeez. Vicky's care. Escalated very quickly. Mm-hmm. Really opening up beds yep. in this tiny hospital. Maybe that was the reason. Yeah, yeah. got to get more patients in. But the murders continued unnoticed into January. In the first week of the new year, five more patients died, including Jimmy Ray Holder, who Vicky injected while his wife was sitting next to him. <gasps> 
Nurses were able to revive 95-year-old Oma Weiler the first time, but Vicky didn't give up. She came back four days later and completed her mission. Oh my gosh. My gosh. So at this point, the hospital still wasn't concerned, but townspeople were. Yeah. Nakona's newspaper had literally never printed so many obituaries at once, and the town florist was inundated with orders for funeral arrangements. Even the funeral home itself was beginning to talk about needing another hearse. The hospital CEO, Charles Norris. <laughs> Chuck Norris. I, I, laugh. I, I was going to put so many Chuck Norris jokes in here. Because they're in Texas as well. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about yeah. Anyway, he said that he assumed the hospital was just having a run of bad luck and that he didn't believe anything abnormal was happening because almost all of the patients who had died were elderly. Instead of looking into why there was a sudden influx of deaths, the hospital was bragging about its elite nursing staff. <laughs> <laughs> going so far as to take out a full-page ad in the newspaper featuring pictures of all of its nurses, including one Vicky Don Jackson. Oh, my gosh. Oh, she's definitely elite all right. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if the ad was before or after the obituaries of all the people that Vicky killed. Just hmm. curious. She's, she's yeah. in a league of her own yeah. as well. <laughs> Vicky continued her trail of terror. On January 11th, she killed 82-year-old retired mechanic J.T. Nichols. Three hours later... 78-year-old retired rancher and oil man, John Williams, whose son Vicky used to have a crush on, but he ignored her. Mm -hmm. I'm concerned with how many people she's killing uh -huh. in a day. Yeah, uh -huh. this, is, this is a lot. Oh, yeah. The hospital's still not worried about anything. Mm -hmm. Not yet. Just elderly people perishing. Yep. It's winter. It's winter <laughs> after. It's, it's death season. <laughs> on January 30th, Vicky took revenge on 82-year-old Orval Moore because the former ranch hand had once called her a fat ass. <laughs> okay. This is like... But it seemed that Vicky didn't need revenge to have a motive. Minutes later, she inject injected Mivercon into the IV of 14-year-old Lydia <gasps> Weatherreed, who was in for appendicitis oh and quickly gosh. left the room. Dude! Lydia's mother was sitting right next to her. And when she began to scratch at her throat, because it's not instant, it like begins to paralyze you. Her mother ran to grab someone who was able to revive her. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Thank God. The next day, Vicky's first victim was 46-year-old Donna Kernut. Donna had enough breath left to call the nurse's station who came in, but she never regained consciousness and died a few weeks later. Ugh. After leaving Donna's room, Vicky moved on to a woman named Lisa Pelkey, who had been admitted to the hospital with symptoms from Crohn's disease. Like many others, this was not life-threatening, but Vicky was. <laughs> you don't need a life-threatening diagnosis. You need nope. a life-threatening caregiver, though. Uh-huh. Vicky had had her sights set on Lisa from a decades-old grudge. Back when Vicky was out on the town trying to find men, she felt she had been passed up because men were more interested in another beautiful young woman oh. named oh. Lisa Pelkey. Wow, that's a real tenuous grudge to mm -hmm. hold. Lisa and Lisa says she doesn't remember Vicky at all, so of it's course. not like she was stealing men from her. Mm -hmm. Lisa too was able to survive Vicky's attempted homicide, and she fully recovered. Wow. Good. So at this point, there have been four deaths in two days and nearly twenty-four in the past three months. Wow. The hospital pharmacist raised a concern about the missing Mivercron, and finally the hospital staff came to their senses, realizing something bad was going on. Wow, really? So uh, <laughs> what is it, like 20 deaths in four weeks yeah. from suffocation, completely unrelated to stomach aches and broken legs? Exactly. All with Nurse Vicky, and they just noticed. Bingo. Because wow. their inventory dipped. That was the reason they noticed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Not all those dead bodies that are piling up. Nope. No, no, no. Yeah. And I, I didn't write down write down the statistic, but I do think it was like 50% more than the previous year. And there, I was just thinking about that. A, a hospital that small, their morgue probably had like one drawer. Mm -hmm. And they were like, we don't know what to do with all these yeah. dead bodies. It was winter though. So outside. <laughs> just put them outside. <laughs> 
But it's Texas. But it is Texas. It is Texas. It's like yep. 87 degrees. <laughs> They're the like, it's northern Texas. It gets cold there. Does it? Does it get Refrigerator cold, cold, but maybe not freezer cold. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> not really preserving those bodies very well. <laughs> they began to cycle through the possible suspects. They ruled out the doctors since they did the prescribing, but not the administering. They began to look at trends in the deaths. Hmm. Good idea. (laughs) They found that they were all at night. And so they looked at who was working each of the shifts. And of course, it was Vicky. And in fact, she was always present, either known as the last person to see the patient or the one to alert others. How weird. And in the latter case, she was always calm, lacking the urgency one would expect. Mm. But how would you ever talk your way out of this? They didn't have any proof. It was all circumstantial. She was never seen with the Mivacron, so they couldn't fire her. The best (sighs) they could do, arguably, that they said, the best they could do was set up a camera, but they did so in the supply closet, not the crash carts where she was actually getting the drug. So despite this suspicion, she remained employed and worse, continued taking care of patients. Wow. I'm sorry. This is a situation... Where circumstantial evidence is good enough uh-huh. to at least hold her from helping patients suspend or being around her, them. Suspend her yeah. with pay. That's yeah. what I yep. thought you were going to say. Nope. I thought oh, you no, were going to no. say on administrative leave with pay. Nope. And you would notice that all the deaths just stopped. <laughs> yep. And I mean, that sort of lends credibility to your assessment. Uh-huh. Yep. But Nothing. not the case. And what okay. lucky timing for her because she was still angry with her husband. And she was overjoyed when Kirk's grandfather was admitted to Nakona General with oh, a high no. fever. Mm. On February 4th, Vicky sweetly informed Kirk that his grandfather, 91-year-old E.E., quote, Preacher Jackson, had passed. Somehow, Vicky had her co-workers tricked, so much so that mid-February, they threw a joint birthday party for her and Kirk's mother. Wow. So, I, yeah, I don't know what, what web of lies she was spinning, but... Wow. And despite all the buzz, Vicky continued her murder streak. But her luck could only last so long. Did she know that the hospital was looking into these statistics? I think so. Yeah. <gasps> what a ballsy bitch. I think so. Definitely. On February 16th, 2001, 61-year-old Donnelly Reed was admitted to Nakona General Hospital with symptoms of post-polio syndrome. While unpleasant, the increased fatigue and weakness is not life-threatening, and after being given some medication, Donnelly was feeling better and looking forward to returning home the next day. Survive polio, but not Vicky. Not nurse Vicky. Nope. (laughs) When Vicky came in to do her rounds in the early hours of February 17th, Donnelly watched as she administered an unknown substance into his IV line. Nearly immediately, Donnelly lost feeling in his hands and was unable to breathe, ultimately blacking out. But to Vicky's demise, Donnelly survived and alerted the hospital staff to exactly what had happened. Woo! Wow. So combined now with the existing circumstantial evidence, police had enough to conduct a search warrant on Vicky's house. I'm actually not sure why they went decided to go. Right. They had, I'm sure, far more information than I have. But <laughs> they found a syringe in a trash can with traces of Mivacron. And that was enough for the hospital to fire both Vicky and Kirk on February 20th. No one really thought Kirk had anything to do with it, but it seems to me like the hospital was compensating for their lack of early <laughs> <Right>. action. <laughs> um, Poor Kirk is like, what the fuck? <laughs> I didn't do anything. Yeah, Kirk himself wanted absolutely nothing to do with Vicky. He left town saying he was having nightmares of Vicky stabbing him with a needle. So I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure like, they were nightmares. That yeah, probably I was, say, was happening. Vicky's like, those aren't nightmares. That's his life, actually. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So although there was enough evidence for the hospital to fire Vicky, there was not yet enough to charge Vicky with murder and guarantee a guilty verdict. 
they needed to prove that the victims had actually died as a result of suffocating from the improper use of Mivacrom. So the police set off to exhume the bodies beginning in June 2001. I'm surprised they didn't have enough from those few instances where she called for help and then nursing staff went in and basically watched those people suffocate. Again, circumstantial evidence is enough to convict. I don't know. Maybe they weren't confident enough or maybe they thought it would like really set it in stone if they had proof from the bodies. Yeah. I I don't know. Great. At least they weren't testing it with additional people. They're like, just (laughs) let her go back to being a nurse and we'll just see if it happens again. Or a bait patient. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. (laughs) Not at that hospital. Um, Amidst all of this, Vicky sought alternative employment. And amazingly, she applied and got a job as an LVN in a nearby town. Oh my gosh, this is is giving me like Dr. Death vibes. Uh I don't know if you guys have seen that show, but it's given me those vibes. No, but I believe it. That hospital clearly needs to work on their background checks. Yeah. So fortunately for the patients there, she was fired after a few weeks, accused of stealing medicine. Hmm. I'm unclear if the medicine in question was Mivacron, but I would not be surprised if it was. Vicky then started to work at a grocery store in yet another town, making sandwiches in the deli. A little safer. Maybe. She's like, already I don't know. She's like, this is a delicious Mavacron sandwich. Have you tried our special sauce today? You're going to love it. It's to die for. It's so good. This is where she was finally arrested in July 2002 on four counts of capital murder, and her bond was set at $2 million. Now, much like the Delphi murders, they were hoping to get more on her than just the four. They had exhumed a total of 10 bodies, so it was still an ongoing investigation. And they issued a gag order sealing all information, except that the prosecutors would not seek the death penalty. Not sure why, but... Finally, on January 27th, 2004, they had enough evidence to charge her with six more murders, and her bond was raised to $6 million. Whew. Her first trial began in March 2005, after Vicky had been incarcerated for nearly three years. Wow. But this trial ended almost as soon as it began. The defense objected to the prosecution's opening statements, saying he had prejudiced the jurors. The prosecutor had said, quote, No one may ever be able to provide a motive, not even Jackson herself, for the alleged crimes. This indicated that she would testify, even though she's not required to do so. What I find ridiculous is you're saying it ended as soon as it began. So they gave the opening statements, they moved for a mistrial, and the judge granted it? Yeah, it was initially overruled, then the judge took a two-hour break and then declared a mistrial. That is crazy to me, because a lot of times they'll deny that, and then it goes on appeal, and the appellate court will say yes. So I'm really... Wow. So the venue for the new trial was moved, and they had to find a whole new set of jurors, It was finally rescheduled for October 2006. The hundreds of people affected by this case were finally going to get to watch as evidence was laid out and she was hopefully found guilty. But to everyone's surprise, Vicky pleaded no contest on October 3rd, just a few days before the trial was to begin. At 40, she was sentenced to life in prison and won't be eligible for parole until she's 80 in 2046. At which point she will go into a hospital and the new nurse Vicky will administer (laughs) the treatment. (laughs) Yep. In 2015, her legal team sought a new trial, saying the syringe had never been tested for DNA, and I couldn't find the official outcome, but I'm guessing it was denied since she is still in prison from my search on the Texas DOJ website. So that is the story of Vicki Don Jackson, or Nurse Vicki, Angel of Death, as she became known in prison. And although she was charged with 10 murders, it's likely more than that. One of the lawsuits I read noted missing Mivacron as early as November 23rd, 2000. Oh, damn. Um, and the first reported death was December 11th. 
So mm. Vicky is considered a healthcare serial killer. And I read quite a bit about that in the book, Inside the Minds of Healthcare Serial Killers, Why They Kill great resource for inside the minds of them Mm -hmm. by Catherine M. Ramsland. And I'll share just a few interesting grim facts. Are they interesting? They are so interesting. Are they also grim though? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Thank Um, you for confirming. For sure. About 86% of healthcare serial killers are nurses. And these types of murders are harder to detect. So they often go on longer and kill more people. In fact, according to a study that ran from the 1970s to the 1990s, just 54 nurses killed a whopping 2,113 people. Holy shit! That is nearly 40 per person. That is a startling Uh statistic. Damn. I told you it was grim. (laughs) Yeah, that's... that's, What's a word for what's grimmer than grim? What's cooler than being cool? (laughs) Ice cold! (laughs) That's extra perfect because, so we're recording because I really messed up our schedule by going and getting COVID this week. So we're recording during the day and the sun is shining directly into Colby. And so she's got her, her sunglasses on. I think on. I may post that photo yeah, on our can, Instagram because yeah. she, she looks great. I'm living my best life. She looks table cool. right now. She looks cool. Thanks. Experts speculate that there may be more healthcare serial killers than all other professions combined. Damn. The author lists 15 motives associated with healthcare serial killers, and I'm curious which you'd identify for Vicky. And I told you I had a handout. Oh, boy. I do. All right. So they are, one, the desire to be a hero. So this is creating an emergency situation that they have a leg up on, like knowing the cause or timing so that they can save the patient or direct others. So I would say this is probably not Vicky because she didn't actually save anyone. She did exactly the opposite of mm-hmm. that. The next one is attention. So this is along the same lines as Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Um, They may want to show how clever they are, that sort of thing. But um, maybe you could argue that she was going for attention, but she kind of like, I think she liked not knowing or that people weren't, didn't know it was her. I don't know. Like the thrill. Yeah. I'm looking at this. I didn't even need to get to four. I think she did it for thrill. She's a thrill killer. Yeah. This is not Munchausen by proxy. So the next one is experimentation. The example given was actually H.H. Holmes. So go back and listen to episode 22 to learn more about what he did. Or even worse, Joseph Mengele, the infamous Nazi doctor who did horrible experiments on prisoners during the Holocaust. So that's the case where they want to try out something that might not be sanctioned by the powers that be, um, but they do it anyway. So again, I don't think that's Vicky. That was so far too nice for her. Um, then four, Colby mentioned is thrill. Totally agree. Um, H.H. H. Holmes was also mentioned for this, but they just get excited from killing or watching someone be killed. I, I also I have no idea if anybody that listens to us is also a, a gamer like my husband and I are, but um, producer Mike and I just played a video game called uh, The Devil Within Me, mm. and it is based on H.H. H. Holmes and a serial oh, killer in oh. the video game who's inspired by H.H. H. Holmes, and there's a literal murder castle that you huh? explore with oh, like moving walls, and it's awesome. just, it's absolutely insane. Highly hmm. would recommend. Oh, that's awesome. I think it's also the three too because yeah. she was doing it twice three times in a night within 20 minutes of each right. other so it's like almost like a high that wears off quickly and she exactly. has to keep seeking the high or the next one too as yeah. well as a good one yep so the next one is power or control often men but we do see this in women usually driven if they've been victimized sometime in their lives i could see this one um certainly it's a power thing to have them die that way and then definitely having been through two divorces and then having trouble with her third husband, I, I can definitely see her 
um, relating to that one. When she, there were a couple that she knew or had some sort of a connection to yes. as well. Oh, so true. I could see that yep. being like the power or control play for them specifically. Like it doesn't have to be just one motive, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, definitely. I had a few starred here. Uh, the next one is necrophilious voyeurism. So they cannot relate well to living people and have a keen interest in sickness and in insensitivity to tragedy. No. Not only do they enjoy the killing, but the effect on other people. Oh. I don't no, think so. Because no. I think the only case where she did is when she killed Kirk's grandfather. And that was very directed. Right. And like all of her things were directed revenge like type. Vengeance, yeah. yeah. The next one is relief from inner conflicts, acting out against others to gain relief from the stress of their inner turmoil or depression. No. No? I, I, I could see this yeah. as a strong candidate because yeah. she had a lot going on and she felt, I think she seemingly felt slighted yeah. because she wasn't advancing yep. in her career the way that she thought she should be. So I could see it. Yeah. And again, there's no right or wrong answers here. I just thought it was interesting to, of course, interesting to, to look through these motives um, that the book had laid out. Do you realize who you gave this handout to, though? You gave it to Marina and I. I there know. are right answers, <laughs> and we will get the right answers. <laughs> so the next one is fear of loss of control. These people have childhood experiences that turn them into adults who need to exert control over their worlds. Mm, I thought maybe, mm. depending, I don't know. We don't I, know a lot about her childhood, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the next one is predatory challenger addiction, a compulsion to beat the system or measure oneself against each new safeguard. No. I could see yeah. her as a predator. She's the apex predator, at least in this yeah. hospital in this town. Well, she's a predator, but I don't know that it's to beat the system. Not and not the addiction part. I would have thought, like, yep. a, can I get away with it? Because mm -hmm. the, the oh, well, murders the within 20 minutes or something, that I'm wondering, like, is it a, a little bit of a game? Yeah. Well, yeah, and the fact that she knew that the hospital was yeah, investigating right. it, and she continued, okay, yep. I changed my mind. Cool. Maybe a little bit, a little bit this one. Put a star next to it. This is what being an economics major gets you, the we ability argue to it. argue yep. and just never accept that you're wrong as long as you can back up your points. That's also being a lawyer. I really, truly have missed the my law, calling on multiple law. fronts. Yeah. Yep. The law is whatever you argue that it is. I am the law. <laughs> Perfect, because you're still wearing your sunglasses. Yeah, bitch. I wear my sunglasses. Anyway, except it's three thirty. <laughs> and speaking of disdain, <laughs> so the next one is disdain. Their disdain for the patient often mirrors their disdain for themselves, or they're just narcissistic. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's I, a good one. It, I guess because I wasn't originally thinking it was her because she didn't really dislike the mm -hmm. patients per se, but I could see that maybe she was unhappy with herself and where she'd landed. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, but didn't she pick people? She's like, one time True. they called me fat, so fuck sometimes, them. Sometimes she did and yeah. then sometimes she didn't. Uh, the next one is perverted compassion, killing done in the name of mercy. No. No. And then the last three are pretty self-explanatory. Um, easing the workload or laziness, profit, or making your colleagues look bad. No, <laughs> none of those. None no. of them. And if, <laughs> I am laughing thinking about like, I got a lot of shit going on at work. I wish I could just, I wish a few of these patients would just die <laughs> so I could have yeah. a lighter caseload. Yeah. Let me help them along. And if you're counting along at home, it is actually, I can't remember if I said it was 15, but it's only 14. I just had added an extra number in here. So ignore that. It's that COVID brain. Mm -hmm. It is. Yep. Um, so I thought that was just a fun exercise. Um, to kind of evaluate Vicky against these motives. Wait, which ones did you have starred? Because you said you had a handful of I starred. had thrill, power or control, relief from inner conflicts, and fear of loss of okay. control. Hmm. But I could be argued in, in some of the others. And like you said, there's no, it's not just one. Um, and, and there are no right answers. Sorry. Yes, We're there wrong. are. There are right ones. And there are certainly wrong ones. We're right, Colby. High five. 100%. I'll grade your papers after. Thank, Thank you. you. 
<laughs> Do you have gold stars, though? Uh, I'll bring them I next time. Them. Yeah, okay. okay. So one last thing. I had mentioned that Vicky was inspired by Florence Nightingale. In fact, she had taken the Nightingale Pledge. As you probably know, nurses and other medical professionals take the more widely known Hippocratic Oath, which is the one that includes the do no harm. The Nightingale Pledge takes that even further and focuses on ethics. It reads in part, I will not take or knowingly administer any harmful drug. I will do all in my power to maintain and elevate the standard of my profession. And with loyalty, I devote myself to the welfare of those committed to my care. So I would say she she did not follow any <laughs> no. of that and certainly not the do no harm part. So um, just a, a very interesting story. Um, thought I'd bring that to you guys. Is it interesting? It is. It's very interesting yeah. and grim. Lots of murders. No a mystery, lot of really. Murder. We only... haven't done a medical one like that, so no. that's it's different. No. The the mystery is why the hospital didn't look <laughs> yes. into this earlier. Um, For such a small hospital, yeah. I'm thinking a huge hospital where they send older people mm-hmm. or yep. complex cases. You would expect more deaths like that. Yep. But such a small hospital like that, I'm thinking we're in a town that has a smaller hospital, still not as small as mm-hmm. that. And I would think that if the deaths increased by 50%, yep. they would look into it pretty quickly. Totally. I would hope so. And there were, I couldn't find the results of them, which is why I didn't include all the details because I wanted to know the closure, but there were a bunch of civil suits from the families of the people that died against the hospital and yeah. all that. Mm-hmm. I have to assume they were settled or something. I just couldn't find any oh, results. Oh, they paid. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. they paid. Yeah. Out of court. <laughs> yeah. So... Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that is that is the story. Thanks for bearing with my voice. I think, you know, by the next time I, I do an episode, I should sound all better. You um, did a great job. We thanks. love you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Good job powering through. In the meantime, our show is free, as is our love for our gremlins. We know that everyone expresses themselves differently. And if your love language is spending money, as I know mine is, and you want to donate to our Patreon, you can check out all the grimy details by searching Grim, a true crime podcast on the Patreon app or website. Your support will help offset our costs for some sweet new equipment to continue to assault your ear holes with tragic tales told with the crispest audio, get set up with the merch that people have been begging us for, and allow us to restock our ever-dwindling supply of wine. Mm-hmm. The best way to get all of this info is to follow our socials. You can find us on Instagram at Grim Crime Podcast and on Facebook, Grim A True Crime Podcast. As a reminder, we're streaming on just about every platform. If there are other places you want to listen and we're not there, let us know. You can send us an email at grimcrimepodcast at gmail.com. And that's also where you can send case suggestions or DM us. Wherever you do listen, please rate us or even better, leave a written review. Thanks for being here. And remember, listen, learn, and stay alive. Until next time, because the future is grim. (laughs) 